This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. She a queen. She a goddess. She a diamond. She a queen. She a goddess. She a diamond. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Billboard Podcast, and I am with the talented, amazing, legendary, one-of-a-kind Billy Porter. What's going on, Jamming? <laughs> hey, Billy. Hey, Billy. How are you doing? Are you holding up? I'm doing great. I'm doing great considering. Yeah. You know, I was just so excited to have you on. I've been watching you for a while. And I have been watching you too. I have to say, I've been so moved by your work. I've been listening to you on Spotify. I learned about your story. And it's just shattering what you're doing. Who you are. I could say the same thing. I could say the same thing about you. And, and we're um, doing it together. Thank you. We're we doing are, it together. And, and, and what, what it means to have someone like you on with the Black trans woman to speaks numbers as well. You know, it speaks volumes. Yes. You know, just you being here yeah. and, and, and just how you support trans women and trans men. Like, yeah. I, personally. So I know, you know, your stance. You are absolutely amazing. So I want to start with a quote I saw you retweet from George Orwell. Journalism is printing what someone else doesn't want you to print. Everything else is just public relations. From 1984, you know, those books are so, this time we're in, you know, it's like we're humans and it happens all the time. And no, you know, everybody's so surprised. It's like, this is a country that was built on the backs of my ancestors who were stolen from their land to come over here and be forced into slavery. And the people who wrote the constitution that y'all are so keen on owned slaves while they were writing it. Why are any of you surprised about anything anything going on right now? You better talk about it. You better talk about it. I get so furious and we're also outraged, but nobody is really outraged because nobody wants Nobody's to- outraged enough to get in the streets. Period. And here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say in defense of this time, because I'm also working on compassion, yeah. radical compassion. Yeah. It's like the Wild West right now. Mm-hmm. Technology is like the Wild West. We actually don't know what this is. We're in the middle of discovering it. Every day is a new discovery. And my question is, the world only spins forward. That's all we can do. Technology is here, Mm -hmm. right? It's here to stay. It's not going nowhere. Social media is here to stay. What, what What do we take from the past? I'm speaking of like the civil rights movement in particular in relation to this time where we, the people, must rise up. What do we take from that time? Whether it's the sit-ins, whether it's the bus boycotts, whether it's the marches, 
the, the community organizing in that way. How do we take that? I think we're starting to learn. Yes. Because, because of, yes. But how do we take that and mold it with social media mm-hmm. and reactivate in the way that we were activated during Vietnam War and the way as people we were, we were in the streets mm-hmm. because that's the only place you could be. Right. Now we have to figure out what's the combination of that. I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer, but I'm throwing that question out to the world. But social media is so regulated, though. I mean, you, there's certain hashtags. You at Black Lives Matter, you know, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> you're targeted, you know, and so you're looked at as a threat. Great. Um, you you know, should. Be. We should be. Yeah. It adds back to to what's happening with us being killed on the streets. The ones who yeah. are out here talking about it are being killed. Our people are being killed. Yeah. And, and it, it's our activists. It's the people who have uh, always been uh, front and center, like King, like Martin. Yeah. It's called assassination. Right. It's called, what, why are, once again, why are we surprised? We're, we're not. We're not surprised. This is what it is. There will be blood. There will be. How do you really start talking about the industrial complexes, these systems that are put into place that, I mean, they're not broken. They're doing exactly what they were created to do. Mm -hmm. Everything from the police system. Yeah. I mean, it's a modern day slave catcher. Yeah, totally. this, I mean, are they for us? Are they out here protecting our lives? No. When we say I mean, our many lives, are, our lives, many are, lives. and some aren't. But you know, it's a constant evolution. Mm-hmm. It's forever evolving, and we have to keep showing up. We can't get discouraged. We have to just keep showing up. That's all we got. That's all we got. What's the evolution in activism you've seen in queer spaces recently? The fact that trans is at the forefront. Trans rights are at the forefront now. As a 50-year-old Black gay man who came out in 1985, the T in LGBTQ was largely absent from my knowledge. Now we have the knowledge. Now it's at the front. Now we have a television, we have television shows. You know, everybody knows that's the first way in to change is through the arts. That's the first way in, always. Nobody would have ever been able to receive a Black president if Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington and blah, 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 and so-and-so hadn't played Black presidents. Dennis Haysbert, whoever. You know, we are the ones that change the conversation. They know it, which is why we're always the first to go. The arts is always the first to be cut. It's always the first to be ridiculed, you know, because we think for ourselves. And that's what we teach. We teach artists are leaders. We teach leadership. We know that in your early struggles with the music industry, that you had a a lot of setbacks and a lot of pitfalls to be able to get to where you are now. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, I'm 50 this year. Uh, Last year, actually. Looking Uh, fab at 50. (laughs) Thank you so much. When I came 
into the business. It was the 80s, the mid 80s, early 90s. I moved to New York in 1990. It was a very different world. We were in the middle of the AIDS crisis. I had a record deal on A&M Records. My album, Billy Porter Untitled, came out in 97. It was a very closed, homophobic, violently homophobic, dangerous space for anybody who presented like me. And by that, I mean, just like a regular guy, you know, it's like I can be flamboyant, but that's not my regular place. My regular place is just a regular normal person, but it was never going to be masculine enough to be received in the mainstream. So I was dismissed from the music industry proper. You know, theater was a little bit more open at the beginning, especially when I could be used as a tool. I could be used as a clown. I could be used as the best friend, the fashionable, you know, magical fairy that sprinkles all white people all the time. But there's no connection to the actual human being who's doing that. There's no connection to me. There's nobody telling my story. Nobody's interested in the three dimensions of my humanity. So it was very difficult to be taken seriously. But I want to be clear. I always found a way to work, mm-hmm. even in bankruptcy, even in, you know, with no jobs coming in. You know, George Wolf, one of my mentors, told me you can never wait for other people to give you permission to practice your art. You need to be doing that all day, every day. Mm. And I really took that to heart because, you know, he said, even when people aren't watching, and most of the time they won't be, like, it's like, are you, a, are you, I, I had to make the decision, am I an artist or do I want to be a superstar? The two are two totally different things. Superstardom. You managed to do it both. Well, well I, think, I think what happens is sometimes when we acquire extreme success in this industry, the byproduct is some version of celebrity, some version of fame, some version of household nameness. That for me though, became a byproduct of the work a long time ago, over two decades ago. I stopped needing to be validated by some sort of stardom, by some sort of, you know, outside force. It's like, let me just do my work. Let me just do the work. You know, let me just be ready and do the work. And however the chips fall is where they fall. You know, the second phase of that for me, after having chosen that I knew that I needed to be taken seriously, and in order to do that, I would have to extract myself from certain jobs, certain gigs that were abundant. And it was like, yeah, but I'm not trying to be your clown anymore. I'm not trying to be your millennium coon anymore. I'm trying to actually be a human being. And so when that focus shifted, when that happened, the work that was traditionally there for me dried up. The blessing and the gift in that was that it forced me deeper. It forced me to go to a deeper place 
inside of not, not just my art, but my humanity. And it was like, oh, I actually have something to say. I can actually say it myself. I am the revolution I've been waiting for. Period. How dare I? You know that, that Mar Marianne Williamson quote? You know, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Period. It's like, wow, yes. to really own that, mm. you know, to really stand in the fullness of that knowledge and that space that so many people look at you and call you conceited or, or think you're full of yourself or think, you know. What, what is exactly being conceited? Is I don't know. Is that, is that, is that having, of, of knowing that you have what it takes and being able to back it up? Being able to uh, write that check with your ass? Right. With your mouth that your ass can that cash? That ass can cash. Period. You I know? can cash all the checks I'm writing. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Do you feel like there are still barriers to those glass ceilings that still need to be shattered? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've been getting into Buddhism mm. and I have, you know, Frederick Douglass, I've, I've said this a million times, but Frederick Douglass said eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. It's like, uh, right. We are on this planet and we live on this planet in a space where for whatever reason we think internally that there's supposed to be no suffering. There's supposed to be no pain or something like that. I don't, you know, one of the things that I've really been meditating on is this idea in Buddhism that like life is suffering. That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. That's what it is. So when you radically accept that that is the journey, then you begin to reap the benefits of living the journey, of being on the journey. That's what I have discovered. It didn't happen for me when I was 25 because I wasn't ready. I, oh, I say that all the time. Oh my God, the divine timing. I no, wasn't we ready. That, we may think that we're ready for it, but we're not. We're ready not. Those things that are going to come in our way. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like you are a perfect example of that too and how you navigate the industry. Like, I feel I like- I couldn't navigate it like that at 27. My, okay. record, come, my record came out. My, the, the record labels were clowning me. You know, it was horrible. And I didn't know how to fight back at that time. I didn't know how to- stand up for myself at that time. You know, I didn't know how, you know, I didn't know how I had to live long enough 
to get to the other side. And now I've been blessed with a second chance. You have to have a story, Billy. Yeah. have a story. Because the, the pain and the hurt that came with your experience of your, your life and your story, you had to be able to uh, relay that. Yes. You know, through your voice. Like yeah. I, I listen to your voice and how your voice has even changed. <laughs> my voice has changed. Your music. Oh my God. Now I listen. <laughs> my voice has changed. <laughs> you know, I had a, you know, when I first started, to, you know, when I first came into the business, for lack of a better description, I was an extreme singer. You know, I call it extreme singing. Broadway. I just Broadway, the Broadway uh, vocal part. Uh, no, it was more, it was actually the yes Broadway, but Broadway by way of the Pentecostal Church, Broadway by way of the Clark Sisters, yeah. the Hopkins family, the Winans, Tremaine, you know, like by way of that. So you know, I was a black man who sang like Jennifer Hudson. You know, like was high, it was clear it was, you know there were no limits to it I could do anything at any time I had cords of steel and, you know, my voice was my weapon for so long because in my younger years I, I discovered that when I sang the bullying stopped when I sang the shaming stopped same thing for me same thing for when I me. sang, people forgave my sissiness. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it was all right for me to be a sissy. As long as I was singing, it was all right. right. Period. Period. <laughs> oh, let's talk about it. You know, and so everything was about my voice for the first half of my career, coming from me. Mm-hmm. And what I had to do was get to the place where I saw myself and I understood myself as more than my voice. Mm-hmm. You know how India Ivory says, I'm not my hair. I'm, I'm not my skin. I'm not, this, I'm not this voice. That's not all I am. Right, right. It's not all. Right. You know, there's a human being attached to this thing, this gift. So anyway. You show up in so many different ways beyond music. You're, you're on Pose. You have an amazing message on Pose as well. Did you think that Pose would be what it is now? Um, I knew it had the, the potential to be. You know, I'm just so grateful I lived long enough to see the day where my story and my community's actual story mm-hmm. is being told in the mainstream and being told by the people who the community who are living it or have lived it. It's a very special thing. That is change. Mm -hmm. And as we talk about what's not right, I also want to put the spotlight on the things that are happening. You know, the things that are right, the good shit that is happening. Mm. You know, there's a lot of good stuff that is. We have a long way to go. We will always have a long way to go. That's human nature. Speaking of that long way to go, now you don't have a long way to go because you got that Emmy. Can we talk about <laughs> what that means? What does that mean now that you had that? Now that you have an Emmy in your hand? Well, as a as the first African American openly gay uh, 
actor to win lead actor in a drama. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I asked for. When I walked away from all the shit that I was being offered over 25 years ago, this was what I saw. This is what I envisioned. Just like you respect all these little white boys, mm-hmm. y'all don't have no problem respecting them. Period. Ever. Okay, because that's the great white hope that we're looking for. Yeah. So, 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 so you're here. You are a, th- a triple threat, but we can have someone less talented than you are, and we praise them as our, our as our great white hope. Yeah. And so it, it's a different experience. The pay the pay is different, you know, and so just for you to be on this level and and represent in this way, we have to start making noise for our successors. So, so how are you living? Like, are you able to negotiate different deals now? Do you have a, a different level of, of leverage now? I have a different level of leverage and I have a team who, you know, it's obnoxious to speak about it, but I have a team for everything and they have to do everything so that I can actually be creative. You know, for a long time in my life, I had to do everything on the creative side, as well as on the business side. It's been so freeing to be able to uh, let that go a little bit. You know, I oversee everything, but the day-to-day stuff, I got some help. So how can our black and brown TG&C family have more power in, in entertainment business? I think we're all discovering what that means. Yes, Janet has a first look deal. Yes, Stephen Canals has a deal at Warner Brothers. Lena Waithe. Um, you know, yeah. Just like Black straight people rose to positions of power in Hollywood, now queer people and queer people of color have to rise. It's my turn. I'm getting ready to be the head bitch in charge, y'all. Just get ready. Because I'm green lighting my own shit. I'm going to say yes to myself. Billy Porter, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Hey, I love you, Shia. Thank you for having me. Happy Pride, y'all. Um, keep your heads up. We're going to get through this together. God bless. God bless you, Billy. This is Shia Diamond, and you've been listening to Billboard Podcast with Billy Porter. Happy Pride, everyone, and stay safe. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.